Good morning. It's Wednesday, February 7th. I'm Beth Golay, and this is Wichita's Early Edition from KMUW News. Thousands of miles of oil and natural gas pipelines already crisscross much of the country, including the Midwest. And now there are proposals for thousands of more miles to carry carbon dioxide for sequestration. Really long pipeline networks that sort of spider web. But regulatory failures and lasting damages from past pipeline projects have made many farmers and landowners wary of new projects. We'll have that story after the news. The head of Spirit Aerosystems says the company will do more training and inspections following a series of manufacturing problems. Pat Shanahan made his comments following the release of Spirit's fourth quarter earnings Tuesday. The company is Boeing's largest supplier. That includes the fuselage for the 737 MAX 9, which was grounded last month after a panel flew off an Alaska Airlines flight. Since then, Shanahan says Boeing and Spirit are working more closely together. If you sat in one of our meetings, you know, people took off their badges, you would not be able to tell which company they worked for. In its earnings report, Spirit says revenue increased by about 20 percent in 2023 to more than $6 billion, but it still reported a net loss of more than $600 million. Like Boeing, Spirit did not release a financial forecast for 2024. Both are awaiting federal guidance on future production rates for the 737 MAX. Kansas Senator Roger Marshall says he opposes a bipartisan bill aimed at securing the southern border. Marshall says the legislation allows too many people to cross the border. He criticized President Joe Biden for not shutting down the border entirely. The proposed Senate legislation promised more funding for the country's overrun immigration system. It also would have sent $60 billion in wartime aid to Ukraine and billions of dollars to Israel. Kansas Senator Jerry Moran has said previously that he supported the proposal. Kansans who vote by mail would have to return their ballots by the end of Election Day under a bill being considered by state lawmakers. Daniel Cottle of the Kansas News Service reports. Under current law, mail-in ballots have three days to arrive and be counted as long as they're postmarked by Election Day. Some lawmakers say they want to eliminate that grace period so results aren't changing after Election Day. But critics say results still would not be finalized on Election Day due to the canvassing process. They say the bill is voter suppression. About 15% of votes in Kansas are cast by mail, but it's unclear how many come in after Election Day. For the Kansas News Service, I'm Daniel Caudill at the State House. Law enforcement and elected officials in Marion County are facing a second federal lawsuit after the newspaper there was raided by police last August. Beck Shackleford Wanganga of the Kansas News Service reports. Phyllis Zorn, a reporter for the Marion County Record, is suing city and county officials, including former police chief Gideon Cody, who ordered the August 11th raid. The search of the newspaper's offices and the homes of its reporters and publishers happened after police said Zorn had illegally obtained information on a source. State officials later said that information was available publicly. In court documents, Zorn alleges the defendants violated her First and Fourth Amendment rights during the raid. Zorn is requesting a jury trial and nearly $1 million in damages. For the Kansas News Service, I'm Beck Shackleford Wanganga. The city of Wichita will use about $95,000 in liquor tax funds to help unhoused people receive substance use treatment. Here's KMUW's Kylie Cameron with more. 
An addiction counselor from the Substance Abuse Center of Kansas will work with the city to coordinate substance use treatment services for at least 20 people. While the city has yet to find inpatient treatment beds for the project, the housing department says it will get people into a 28-day treatment program and then housing. Officers from the homeless outreach team and housing department staff will help identify people for the program. The city says it has enough money to sustain the program for at least 10 years. For KMEW News, I'm Kylie Cameron. A Kansas nonprofit that targets health disparities is pledging up to $30 million to address racial equity issues. Here's Beck Shackelford Wanganga of the Kansas News Service again. The Kansas Health Foundation, which also supports the Kansas News Service, is partnering with 30 grassroots organizations that serve minority communities across the state. Valerie Black, with the foundation, says the groups were selected during a competitive process. Black says each organization will receive up to $100,000 per year over the next decade as part of the Building Power and Equity Partnership. She says the foundation will work closely with the organizations and provide them with training and other resources. We're not in it just to give dollars and then you know, come back a year later and say, "Okay, what did you do? Black says this is the biggest investment in racial equity in the foundation's history. For the Kansas News Service, I'm Beck Shackelford Wanganga. Some city of Wichita pool facilities will soon see upgrades and maintenance repairs in an effort to prevent vandalism. The city is spending more than $1.5 million to maintain several pool houses this year, including painting, upgraded lighting and roof maintenance. Some city pools have been targets of vandalism in the past year, including Ailey Pool in South Wichita. The city has added cameras to all pool facilities since. The city says it'll use art and other means to discourage vandalism at its facilities. We'll be back after this. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. This is Wichita's Early Edition. I'm Beth Golay. To meet the country's climate goals, the United States must transition away from energy and industry sectors that produce a lot of carbon dioxide. Lawmakers have supported projects to do that, like pipelines to sequester CO2 or distribute hydrogen power. Now pipeline proposals crisscross the Midwest. But as Eric Schmid reports for the Ag and Water Desk, past experiences, along with a lack of clear regulation, has left farmers and landowners resistant to more projects. On a balmy day last October, Kenny Davis walked through a recently harvested soybean field on his property in southern Illinois. He points out what looks like a railroad tie sticking out of the ground. See that right there? That's a big chunk of wood, and I think it's going to be a mat. Yeah, that's a mat. Davis says it's leftover debris from years earlier, when the natural gas company Spire built a new pipeline through the middle of his property. They used wooden platforms to support the heavy machinery that installed the pipeline, and he says they left parts of it in his field. See how big a chunk that is? If that would have went through their combine, they'd have done some damage. Davis isn't the only one with damage along the 65-mile route. Further south, Ray Sinclair says the pipeline construction altered the slope of his soybean fields, causing water to pool. This green spot over here is a wet spot that we were not able to plant this spring. Is that wet? It had frogs in it. 
Sinclair says others have lost productivity too, with some farmers along the route saying their yields have been cut in half. The Illinois Attorney General is suing the company for the damages. Spire disputes the claims. As frustrated as Davis and Sinclair are with Spire, they say government regulators failed to hold the company accountable. The rules and all the regulations are all there, but that's just, just for looks. Rules like returning the land to the way it was. The feds have said natural gas is a stopgap for the clean energy transition, but Illinois Senator Tammy Duckworth says the damage is a wake-up call. The Spire situation has proven how much we need to update pipeline rules from regulators. Somebody has to be watching and checking up on what these companies are doing. And now more pipelines are coming to carry CO2 for sequestration and hydrogen as a replacement for natural gas. Many are getting huge tax breaks from the Inflation Reduction Act. Tara Rigetti is a law professor at the University of Wyoming who focuses on carbon sequestration. There has been a collective choice to go down this path. Pretty much all of the modeling shows that carbon removal to some extent is going to be necessary. She says big emitters like ethanol facilities, chemical and power plants need pipelines to connect to places where captured CO2 can be stored. You can't pump the gas underground just anywhere. It takes a certain type of geology. The best places are along the Texas-Louisiana Gulf Coast, Midwest, and Great Plains, often not right next to large polluters. Rigetti says that means the current 5,000 miles of CO2 pipeline could grow tenfold. Really long pipeline networks that sort of spider web connecting all sorts of sources to different sinks. She says that initially means construction in mostly rural areas, but these projects have been a hard sell. Last year, Navigator CO2 scrapped its plan for 1,300 miles of CO2 pipeline across the Midwest, and operations of Summit Carbon Solutions' 2,000-mile network have been delayed by years after North and South Dakota rejected the company's permit requests. Jared Bosley is a fourth-generation farmer and rancher in northern South Dakota who has fought the pipelines. I mean, we're filling rooms with people, and the consensus is just no. We don't want it. Proponents say the CO2 pipeline projects would extend the life of the ethanol industry, but Bosley says it won't directly benefit farmers, and they shouldn't have to give up their land. You get absolutely nothing from this CO2 thing. Rigetti, the law professor, says that's understandable, especially for a new technology. Why should they be bearing those risks personally if they don't have any you know, individual benefit from it or use of it as well? She says communities where this infrastructure passes through should benefit from it, like getting a share of the billions of dollars these projects stand to generate. In St. Louis, I'm Eric Schmid. Thanks for joining us for Wichita's Early Edition. We'll be back again tomorrow. For KMUW News, I'm Beth Golay. Wichita's Early Edition is part of the NPR Podcast Network. You never know where we might roam on the range, or what engaging person we might have a conversation with, or what topic you might find interesting, even if you didn't know you were interested in it. Listen to The Range each Friday from KMUW, part of the NPR Network.